0: To Trail Angels, powered by Cure and the Load. Mark and I are so excited to have Jerry Moroni here with us today. Jerry,
1: welcome. Thank you, guys. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Jerry is an incredible woman. I have looked through her bio. I've looked at her books. I have looked at her story. And friends, you are going to love Jerry like I do, when you, you listen to this podcast and hear more about Jerry. Jerry is the author of Beautiful Lady. She shares her real-life story of how cancer changed her life for the better through reawakening and rebirth. Jerry knows firsthand that identifying and releasing negative emotions that are part of a woman's cancer journey is critical to rejuvenating her mind and spirit. As an advocate for hope and a champion of courage, she empowers other cancer warriors to strengthen soul-nurturing techniques to release negative emotions, boost courage, and rebuild self-confidence so they can live inspired lives that bring them great joy. She is a source of motivation for others and offers a mix of humor and thoughtfulness to help cancer warriors navigate the scary path ahead of them. Jerry is a business executive, entrepreneur, mentor, author, and speaker, and trail angel. She lives in Castle Rock, Colorado with her husband. Welcome,
1: Jerry. Thank you. It's going to be... I'm looking forward to spending time with both of you. As are we. Jerry,
0: would you just start us right off and share your story? about when you got the diagnosis. Sure.
1: Yeah. It was, um, five years ago. Um, it was, I had been that person who always did my mammograms religiously. There's no, um, you know, my mom didn't have breast cancer, so I wasn't extremely worried, but it, it was just something that I'd always done. So, um, time for my mammogram and I, it took me four hours to get out of that doctor's office with a failed, um, you get to go to the next step, uh, diag- not a diagnosis yet, but, um, so it sort of really hit me out of the blue, it's, uh, but I, I failed the mammogram, failed the test, and they identified um, breast cancer. I didn't feel a lump, so to your, to your people and watchers, please get your mammograms. I didn't feel a lump, it was against my chest wall. The only way we found it is through a mammogram. And had I not been that diligent person, you know, it it could have been a much different stage, a much different story. And I'm going to
0: jump in here, too, because I religiously get my mammograms for that very reason. Just you just don't know. And there are things that if we do religiously, that when these um, these bumps in the road, these potholes come into our life we will know that, you know, we've done our part. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, that's, that help, help along the way. I I would think that just helped you knowing you caught it
1: early too. Exactly. I was, you know, as thankful as anybody can be hearing those words, but I was thankful that we caught it when we did. Um, But then it sort of sends you in a, in a, down a path where you do, you look at your history. And we did um, a cancer family tree, which is not anything, that great to do. But what it highlighted was that I ended up kind of with the unfortunate cocktail of having a a grandmother who died of ovarian cancer and another grandmother who survived breast cancer. So although my mom didn't have any of those things, it was, it was pretty prominent in my tree. And so we took a really aggressive approach and, but, you know, to your point about when I found out um, that I have breast cancer, another thing I want to share with listeners is please don't do this alone. Like I, 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 it is my um, fault that I carry burdens. I shouldn't carry and all by myself. Like I didn't even tell anyone that I failed the mammogram. I failed the needle biopsy. I didn't tell anyone until I was forced to tell them that I had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And in hindsight, that was a really, Um, bad thing to do because I needed, I needed someone to hold me up. I was an empty nester. And I just, when I heard those words, there wasn't anyone to lean on because nobody knew it was coming.
0: The interesting thing that you, you talk about there too, is that, you know, you had no one to lean on and, and that it was because you were keeping it in trying to probably protect the feelings of others until you really knew, but I've had a scare where I've I've been called back. We need to come and do some other testing. And gratefully, the other testing for me proved that what they were concerned about was not cancer. But it's there. And yeah. and we mm-hmm. need, you know, and it's in the back of our minds always, I think, as women. And and I know there are men who also yeah. have had back get that diagnosis of breast Mm -hmm. cancer. So it's something we need to be aware of, but continue on with that. No, but
1: I think what I learned like very immediately was that I needed to open up. Like this isn't anything I could carry alone and no one should carry this alone. Like I needed to finally break the barrier and say, I am vulnerable. Please help me. (laughs) Um, to my family and friends. And I didn't want to scare them. I had two teenage, two young adult daughters, and I didn't want to, you know, scare them. But but we got through, you know, that that part of it. And um as I worked my way through the it adrenaline takes over uh right away because you have a lot to do. They they're like, oh breast cancer, put your team together. Like I don't know who my team is supposed to be. Like you need an oncologist and then you needed this kind of surgeon and a that kind of surgeon and someone to rebuild. And so I, that was um, challenging in itself was to get all that together and things move quickly. Like there is a expectation from the time you are diagnosed to the time you have surgery. It's a pretty small window of, of time if surgery is your treatment. Um, so, you know, I did went down that path and I'm a, I'm a list maker, right? if you want to, if you want to know how to get to me, get on my calendar and let's make a list because that's how I executed my life, right? Um, but cancer really taught me lessons I would not have learned otherwise, and that first one being um, vulnerability and and control,
2: so Jerry, you went through a number of additional tests there, and uh, they, They made the diagnosis one day. What was that day like?
1: Oh, it was um, terrible. Like anybody who gets it, I think you relive it every moment by moment. So I was supposed to get the word that, that one particular day by noon. And so I was working, trying to stay distracted And then it was like 1.30 and I hadn't heard anything, 2.30 and I hadn't heard anything. So finally, in the late afternoon, when I thought it was safe, (laughs) I called to see if maybe they just forgot to call me. Um, And I got the nurse and I tried so hard to convince her to give me an indication of where we were headed with this. Um, But she wasn't budging. She said the doctor was busy and that they'd call me back. So. I went about my day and went running errands. And it's a a funny story now, but not funny then. I was in PetSmart. Like I was literally at the counter. I had set my stuff down and the phone rang. And there was no way I could get out of either, right? I needed to continue my (laughs) transaction. But there was no way I was going to miss that call. So I answered it. And while I'm standing there, this young man is checking me out at PetSmart. He can see... By, and hear by my words in the conversation that it's something um, kind of you know, urgent. And so as he handed back my, ch- my credit card, he mouthed, I'm so sorry. And, and I just you know, there's tears in my eyes at that point. And I just had to get out of that store. And I sat in my car and just cried until I could gather myself enough to go home and, and tell my family.
0: I'm grateful for the young man that was sensitive enough to mouth those words. I'm sorry for any of us being that individual. It, you know, would you, I think it would go through your mind of, do I say anything? Do I not say anything? Mm -hmm. Did I hear this? Did I not hear this? You know, how should I act? But I think he handled it perfectly.
1: Yeah, he did. The the, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry.
0: And Mm -hmm. So at this point,
1: had you told anyone? No, no one. Wow. No one. So right. I got into the car and called my sister um, and, yeah, just had my moment and cried with her. And then, like I said, tried, gathered myself to go home and talk to my
2: girls. What was, what was the actual diagnosis?
1: that I was stage zero. So my cancer had not yet infiltrated um, to, you know, to other cells in, in my breasts. So that is the extreme exciting news was that I was early, very early in the process. And then, like I said, with, with the cancer tree that we had done, that made me even more grateful because I had um, the potential to have gone to a stage one or two pretty quickly. Um, so you know that's really why I decided to do the aggressive approach because I just there was no one in my universe who I knew that took like a lumpectomy strategy and stayed safe for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted it out and gone.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up this stay safe for very long and this long-term impact, not only physically, but emotionally, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're dealing, you're still at the beginning of, you know, we're talking the very, very beginning right here of, of this emotional impact, but you go through the process, you go through the aggressive treatment and yet the you know the physical part was taken care of rather quickly mm-hmm. but the emotional part that was a different story
1: you're absolutely right and that that is you know actually why i'm doing what i'm doing now as an advocate for cancer warriors is because this this storm this journey is very dual tracked like you said medically things just kick off and processes happen but but what isn't supported is the emotional well-being like no one told me i wish someone would have said you know what this might be hard emotionally you might feel these things and if you do here's something to think about but no one no one does that and no one did that but for me i knew that in talking with my doctor that journaling was was really going to be a good thing for me. So I started journaling along the way. But as I did that, then it laid itself out to just such a beautiful story and my beautiful lady, um, which is why I wrote my book. And, you know, as we talked about just a minute ago with the young man at PetSmart saying the right words, there are multiple occasions in my journey where strangers would say, like, give me goosebumps because they told me the exact words I needed to hear that day. Um, And and so, you know, I think the, the lesson that I'm trying to sort of share with women is that, yes, the emotions are hard, but it's so important to address them along the way so that, because what a lot of people think, and I'm talking with cancer warriors your family thinks when you get home from the hospital, it's all done. <laughs> You're over it now. But you really, it, it is so much bigger than that. And to, to get out of that in a healthy way, we have to um, give time and, and credit and credence to those emotions.
2: Jerry, up to this point, I'm sure that there are a lot of people, a lot of women who are listening to this story who are saying, Wow. Jerry is telling my story. Mm-hmm. And and uh, up to this point, I'm sure that there was shock. There was uh, being upset. There was uh, non-acceptance. There was probably all of those emotions that were going through. As you look back five years ago from that time to today, there are probably some things that you wish you'd have known then that you know now today. Can you share with us maybe what some of those things might be?
1: Yeah, I think... Um... Well, for me personally, it's more about I wish I would have learned better that faith um, mattered and that as much as Jerry Maroney thought she had it under control, (laughs) she really had no control. And I think through this journey, that's what a lot of, that's what I experienced and what a lot of people do experience is that we we know it, right? We hear it all the time. You 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 don't have control about what happens to you. You can only control how you respond. Um, but I really, up until that point in my life, if I wanted something, I put my mind to it and I got it. And that's just the way I was clicking along, right? I was business executive doing a whole bunch of travel, doing a whole bunch of things. I had all the balls in the air, and yeah, it was stressful, but. I put the balls in the air so that worked out okay. But in this case, in the very first time of my life, it was, um, I had to almost sort of come to a breaking point where I realized, all right, I give, I give. There is, I have no grip. I need, I need God to please help me.
0: So you come to this breaking point. And, and from, I relate to that. I, I relate in, in a breaking point, I got to my breaking point in a different way, but I believe we all have to come to that breaking point in our mm-hmm. life where we um, become more, you know, submissive. Yep. And we we just we not only recognize we can't do it alone, but we're seeking help. <laughs> we're seeking help from from God, from those that we we know and love and often those messages of hope and healing come through those trail angels that God sends those strangers that give you the message that you needed to hear at that moment. That's not coincidence.
1: No, I agree. That is not coincidence. And so, um, so for me, it was those, those trail angels. And I'll tell one story I told you, I used to have to travel a lot, well for me I'll step back. I had the hardest time giving up anger. Like I and I learned this along the way, but after fear reaches a certain point where it becomes um like overwhelming, it often turns to anger. Um and so I kept bouncing in between the two of those. But I had gotten up this particular day I needed to travel and so I told myself I'm going to just be open to what happens today. So I was, you know, off to the airport. And when I travel, I kind of don't really pay attention to what's out here. I'm just getting it done. So through security down the escalator onto the train, and um, I see this woman coming from across the platform, like pushing her way through um, the crowd, and she's coming towards me. and, And I just thought, well, she must think she recognizes me. So I was just standing there minding my business, and pretty soon here she was right next to me. And so no big deal. Train came, got on, went to the place in the back where I always stand, and she followed me. Like almost so close where I was a bit thinking there was plenty of room on the plane, sister. You you know, step back, She <laughs> still But she didn't. And so I could i had my sunglasses on still yet. And I wasn't, I guess, feeling particularly friendly. I hadn't talked, spoken to her. And so finally she said, you know, how's your day? And we started a conversation Um, and she and I asked her how she was doing and how her day was. She just bloomed into this story about how happy she was that she was going to spend the weekend with her daughter and her daughter's family that they had been estranged for many years. They, she let anger destroy their relationship. And so she was telling me about that. And then I get goosebumps still. She reached out and touched my arm and she said, don't let anger steal your joy. Forgive yourself and forgive others. And then I'm like almost crying. My glasses are still on, my sunglasses. And so I'd gotten to my place, had to get off the train. And then I got off the train and turned back and looked at her. And she was waving like this at me, like as if we had been long lost friends. And I still see her face and hear her words, you know, from time to time. And that was a trail angel who who came to me at the moment that I needed because it was the wake up call that I needed to say I had let anger consume me and, and I needed I just needed to stop that. That's
0: a beautiful story in a in a powerful one because that anger, it grabs hold. Mm-hmm. And and
1: that anger can physically impact us. It, it does, right? It gets in your cells like so much of this gets into your body in ways we don't really recognize.
2: Jerry, life is about choices. And uh, for as many people who have gone through an experience similar to yours, there are there are happy people out there. There are people on all sides of the spectrum. There are those that uh, are bitter. You know, we we've heard mm-hmm. the uh, idea that you can be bitter or better, right? And there was a time, probably that uh, maybe it wasn't right then on the train to the to get on the airplane that you were feeling better. But when was that point that you found that you could maybe even find a little bit of humor in what was happening?
1: Yeah, I would say it was shortly thereafter, after, you know, getting sort of settled onto the plane. I I had, you know, four hours to reflect on what had just happened to me um, with that message and, you know, where I had already had come through my journaling. And and I, I felt better then. I felt like that was that was heaven telling me um, that it was going to be okay and that I just needed a little refocusing. And, you know, I think it was that. And then there's, you know, other stories that happened to me where it was sort of piling on, where it it felt like, you know what? God thinks I can do this, and so I'm going to do this.
2: So... You know, one of the things, Annette, that we when, we when we talk to people that have gone through difficult times in their life, such as Jerry, such as everybody, you know, if, if we say that we haven't been through a tough time in our life, we're, we're not being uh, honest. We're, we're lying to ourselves. Yeah. But, but, you know, one of the things that we find very common is, is uh, and, and there are some commonalities, when people have made a conscious decision to be better. And some of those conscious decisions, it's amazing how many people we've talked to who have talked about the importance of journaling mm-hmm. in their in their life and and uh, how how that's been important. And I'm just curious from your perspective, how has journaling helped you and and what it was it therapy for you? what What was it?
1: Yeah, For me, what it started out to be was a way to get through my nights because I was having such trouble sleeping that literally I would take my phone go to the notepad and just get out all that was, you know, bouncing around in my head that was keeping me from sleeping. So that's kind of how it started. But then, like I said, as I sat down to sort of reread it, because it's very therapeutic to write it, but is multiple times more therapeutic to read it um, because you begin to see things about yourself that maybe you just even weren't acknowledging but the words were clear and and so that's what it was for me was that the more i cleared my head the more there were lessons for me and the more room i had you, you know for for positivity
2: whether whether we realize it or not and i think you you hit an L in the head. Journaling isn't so much for other people. It's it's for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's for us to reflect back upon and to look at uh, the progress that we've made along the way. Mm-hmm.
0: That's exactly
2: right.
0: We're talking about journaling and the lessons that you learn about yourself, about life. I think that goes into a point that you have said where cancer is one of the best things to happen
1: to you. Now, How can that be true? I know that sounds crazy, right? Sounds crazy. But, but it did, it did bring me to a place where, um, I had to let go of a lot. Like I said, you know, with the control and all of that. Um, I also learned about myself along that journey that I always knew I was empathetic, but I was empathetic, in a way that wasn't helpful to me, I was taking everybody's, um, thing and piloting it on whether they asked me to or not, like I was self-imposed fixer of the world. Right. And so that is, that is a, a big, um, no going forward. So not that I don't support people just that. And what I also learned along the way was, um, from a dear friend of mine who is a pastor in Costa Rica, I go to Costa Rica a lot and a beautiful church there. And so he told me that if I were taking on all of those problems from others, I was taking away from them their journey with God. Like it was it was their path. It wasn't for me to jump in and reroute or redirect. And so when he told me that, it gave me kind of the permission to not engage and stay um, stay a cheerleader, but not a fixer.
0: That's hard. Yeah. That is so hard to pull back. Yeah. When you, I, I believe it comes from loving too, and having this huge heart to love others and help them. But Mark and I often say, and and I can hear it in your voice, and things that I've read that we, though we wouldn't want to go through it again. Through those challenges, cancer, and, and the things that we've gone through in life, we wouldn't trade it.
2: Yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't trade the experiences, the experiences. that come yes. from that. In the, uh... Yeah,
1: that gets you on the other side, right? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, but I, when I we trade to fix, mm-hmm. just like you said, we're taking
0: that opportunity away from someone else mm-hmm. for them to get where and understand the things that that we've learned in our. Our journeys, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and I hadn't thought of that before. I thought I was just helping, but it wasn't really helping. It was, you know, um, taking away from from their journey.
2: I, I hike every morning, and uh, one of the one of the things that I that I love about my hike is the people that I see on this hike every every day, and it's become as much uh, social as it's become physical. And uh, it's the same people, about the same hundred people that I see on the trail every every morning. And uh, there's a, there's a fellow on the trail that uh, shares inspirational quotes, and uh, he he asks questions that make you really begin to think. And he asked questions this morning, the same question he asked everybody that uh, passed him. He said, "For you, what is what does it mean to be spiritual?" And hmm. and and you know, we. With Karen the load and with trail angels, we we focus a lot on on three big rocks: the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual side of things. And uh, I, I I answered his question with one word, and and I said clarity. And for me, spirituality is is clarity. Having having a clear mind, having maybe a clear conscience, maybe having the clarity to know that uh, it's going to be okay, having the faith that you talked about at the beginning of our conversation here. As you think of those three rocks, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second. Uh, When you think about those three rocks, spiritual, physical, and emotional, what was the most difficult rock for you to get through this?
1: Um, Emotional. It, It was emotional, but then as I said early on, it 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 I know they're separate rocks, but I might want half of each one mm-hmm. <laughs> the, spirit, the spiritual one was was for me a really big one too um like we said, I had to get through the emotions and I'm a bit of a stubborn person so it took me a lot to get to that point where I finally broke so that I could open up my spiritual heart and see that God God. I, I thought god was mad at me i thought that's why i got cancer i must have done something um but then i finally got to the point to say god didn't give me cancer he gave me the strength to get out of it mm-hmm. and so that was um you know like I said sorry i had to take a little bit of each rock but it
2: was no i, I, I love that and uh you know i i, I love. What I what I heard many many years ago, and, and that was is that uh, dot, that God didn't uh, save Daniel from the lion's den; He saved him in the lion's den. And yeah. I and I think we all have our lion's dens mm-hmm. that we have to deal with in life. And mm-hmm. uh, knowing that uh, that little bit of faith goes an awful long way.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll share another story if we have a little Please. time. My, my dad had passed away several years before my cancer diagnosis. And so as I was telling you, I was in this anger, fear stage for a long time. I would pray to him every night to say, please ask God to bring someone in my life to help take care of me. I was alone. Please, I can't do this by myself. And then I started having, I had the same dream twice. Like it was a rewind and play exactly the same dream twice. I was out out with friends pre-COVID, all good, having dinner and wine and laughing and having a great time. And my dad was standing in kind of the shadow. I could see him. He wasn't engaging. He wasn't speaking, but he was giving me, you know, thumbs up like this. So the first time I had that dream, I woke up and thought, wow, you know, I was both kind of happy and sad, sad that I missed him, but happy that he came and I got to see him. That was really great. And that happened again, like exactly the same dream. And I woke up and thought, holy moly, (laughs) who has the same dream twice? I don't know. But I was busy and, you know, still a bit of it, I was caught in in the same way that this stranger needed to pull me out of the anger hole. I was stuck in a pity party hole that I needed someone to pull me out. And so the third dream, a week or so after, was just me and my dad. And when, when we had, there's six kids in my family, and when my dad had to engage with you one-on-one, it wasn't, you know, <laughs> to give you applause. <laughs> it meant that something serious was going to you know, happen. So it was just me and him. And I remember in the dream thinking, oh boy, what'd I do? So he sat down with me and he said, I hear your prayers and I know you think God isn't listening, but you already have everything you need to get yourself through this. You don't need someone to come into your life to take care of you you need to step up and take care of yourself. And just that quickly, like I didn't even get to respond, but the dream was over. And so that was another sort of um, little stronger urge uh, for me to pull it together. So after that, as you talked about, when did I start to feel better? I had my my dad dream before I had the stranger dream. So that is a bit of the pile on that I was talking about, where if I, I felt like if my dad and God um, knew I was strong enough and the stranger told me to get over the anger, it was time to to move forward. So you literally had a trail angel. I did appear to
0: you um, one that has gone before. Um. Literally, not not just um, in this way. And that's the other beauty of trail angels is they are those, there are those that are seen that, or those that are unseen, those that are living, those that have, have already been here and gone on. Um, They are a part of our lives Mm -hmm. and, and here to offer that encouragement, to offer that hope, that, that gentle reminder that we need to step up mm-hmm. to i think you know those feelings of the pity party and feeling sorry for ourselves are also important to acknowledge yeah but we have to get out of it we can't right. stay there for days on end and that's where we're in trouble you know i thought earlier when you talked about being broken you know when you got to that that point of breaking we talk a lot about going from broken to beautiful Mm -hmm. and we have a course from broken to beautiful and for me i used to hide my brokenness Mm -hmm. i was i was ashamed i was ashamed of those cracks those those scars and the reality is that those cracks let the light in
1: Mm -hmm.
0: god's light and, and the light of others, and, and really my light also to, to shine out. Right. And as I healed, those scars became more beautiful. They
1: became stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and I see that in you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Those cracks um, were both ways for, for me to, to release and, and let that out, but let God in, like I said, I, you know, I thought I had faith, but in, in the end, as I went through my journey, I realized um, I, I didn't have, I was kind of the fair weather father. I, you know, when things were going good, I was good. Um, But, but those, these kinds of, and it doesn't have to be cancer. It can be any adversity. We've talked about that. Um, it, it tests you in a way that you can either break that open and let those rays come through to be better. Or I know people who have closed up, duct taped it crazily 10 or 20 times, and they're still, um, you know, not better in, in an emotional I, I know way. those
0: people too. And it's, mm-hmm. it breaks my heart to see them.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's sad. So. So Jerry, as as we uh, as, as we think about uh, those who are needing assistance in one way or another, you know, emotional assistance, spiritual assistance, physical assistance. As you've gone through this experience here, let's talk about those on the other side. Let's talk about, uh, and I'm and I'm not talking about uh, the other side. i <laughs> those who have gone before us, uh, but I'm talking about those who are supporters. Sometimes it seems like the easiest thing to say is nothing, especially mm-hmm. with someone that's dealing with a, a real hard time in their life. What kind of advice would you give? And I know that you talk to a lot of women who are going through this. Are, are there some some ideas that you can share with us, being the supporter that would help us to be able to help others deal with their issues that they're having? Yeah,
1: I think it sort of goes to what you said. sometimes, Saying nothing is good, or less is more. I would say less is more. Like, don't try to fix it for them. Don't like. I had to went early in my journey. I created something new (laughs) called Cancer Free Day. Like, because I just couldn't take it anymore. Like, that was all anybody wanted to talk to me about was their. You know, they read this about why I got cancer or what I should do to do. You know, get rid of it and. Run three circles in a in an intersection at four o'clock in the afternoon, and all the crazy stuff that people were just trying to help. Right there, a supporter is just trying to help. They have their own um, challenge with what's happening to us. If it's a if it's a, a health issue or or something else, most people are are in their own place of trying to 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 reconcile what's happening to you, but be in a supportive place. So for me, I would say, um, don't don't pretend that you know how that person feels. Um, Don't pretend to have an answer or a solution on why it happened or just just be be there. Like there were times when I would call my sister again and we would barely speak. I would just cry and she'd just be there. And that's all I needed was just someone to be with me to
0: be and to help you understand that you aren't alone. Yeah,
1: right. And that's and it, ultimately, I mean, that's ultimately what the supporter can help you with, right? Is to 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 be the the net that says you are not alone.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I I, I know Annette has an important question she wants to ask you, you as well. You. But but even before that, I you know this is such an interesting conversation because I don't see you as a survivor. So much as I see you as a thriver, mm-hmm. and and you know you, you've heard it all. You've you've heard it said before that uh, sometimes our experiences define us, and and I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that uh, it's it's more than the experience itself. It's how we react to the experience. What would you say to someone that asked you that question, Jerry? What defines you?
1: I think for what defines me is my um, self-determination and my newly acquired self-confidence. Like I had confidence before I could be a business person. I could speak in front of hundreds of people and travel the globe and all of that. But when it came right down sort of to the brass tacks of surviving, I didn't think I had what I needed. But through the story that I've shared today and I have in the book, I did. And so that's what I'm trying to share with others is that little light, this little light of mine, it's in there. It's in there. Everybody has it. We need to sort of crack that shell and and let it come out. Everyone can be a thriver.
2: Beautiful.
0: Everyone mm-hmm. can. And and that's what, you know, Carrying the load is all about. That's what trail angels is all about is helping others to, to one recognize they're not alone, that it's okay to be broken. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's really good to be broken, mm-hmm. but we just don't want to stay broken. Right. We want to be able to put those pieces back together and recognize that there's beauty in that brokenness and in those scars. Um, and creating this community of hope mm-hmm. is, for me, um, it offers that strength. It offers others to share their little light, mm-hmm. and that little light it grows. Yeah, it, it continues yeah. to grow as we share it. It doesn't diminish. It continues to grow and to expand, and and it's been it's been you know really quite. Um, eye-opening to me the effect that we can have for good Mm -hmm. as we allow ourselves to be vulnerable I agree
1: completely yeah and it's hard it is hard it is certainly hard but I think if we if we all stop pretending we're perfect that helps a lot and and opens up the door to be vulnerable. And just like, like, I don't know that lady's name at the airport, but I can tell you exactly what she looks like. And, and it's, you know, a lot of time has passed. I want to be that for other people. I want to be, um, those words that others need to hear. And that's why we have to share our stories, right? It would have been easy for me to take that journal, stuff it in a drawer and move forward. Um, And, you know, and there are some people who say they can't believe I share the story um, in ways that I do. But it is is in the hope that my words and my story is what someone needs to hear today.
0: I am so grateful that you were able to push aside the natural tendency to be private Mm -hmm. and to not reach out when when you talk about wanting to share and offer that that hope through your through your experience, what would you say to someone
1: who just got the diagnosis? I would say um and I tell I, I have a private Facebook group of ladies who we, we talk through and they're at different places of their journey. And what I like to start out with is don't look too far ahead. Like it's, it's, it's just big. There's no way that you can pretend that a cancer journey isn't horrible and pretend that it's not for other for some people, it lasts much longer than others. But so for me, I always try to say, let's just stay today. Right. I remember growing up, my mom would say, Let's just take one day at a time. And I thought, oh, I hate one day at a time. I want to have a plan. And, you know, this, 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 which led me down that other path I talked about. But the one day at a time thing is is my advice to anyone who's who's just been diagnosed or who's going through an extreme adversity of a different kind. Just don't look too far ahead. You'll get what you need when you need it today.
2: Excellent advice. Excellent advice. You know, one of the questions we typically ask is about uh, who has been a trail angel in your life. And you shared with us, I think, a great example of uh, the lady at the airport. And Mm -hmm. even though it was probably unintended, and to this day, she probably doesn't remember. What what a great example. And especially the fact that you want to be like that person. I think we should all try to be like that person.
1: Yes, I I agree. I think um, our world would be a better place if we all tried to trailblaze a little more.
0: I agree. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you would like to share?
1: No, I think it is, you know, that message of hope, like um, the day you find out it gets dark and then it gets really dark and then it gets Really, really dark and really stormy, but but hold on um, because you do get to a place where the light comes again and you begin to be able to to plan your your new life. Thank you,
0: and friends. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Jerry Maroney. It is dark at times. But hold on and the light will come. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing you will ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us as well as help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Karen the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep Karen.